Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. And this podcast is just us chatting every week about the reality of anything and everything property. Before we dive into today's topic of refurbishments and managing such refurbishments, I would like to suggest that you take a moment to open up the show notes for this episode and click on the link to join our mailing list where we send out notes, reminders, graphs, stats, links, and other bits and pieces that we we talk about and want to include to give extra value to these episodes for you. You can also find the subscription link at thebusinessofproperty.com. So today we are going to talk about refurbishment because I am currently sort of in the process of one on the property that I recently purchased. And Stuart, you are also just at the, the beginnings of a a refurbishment project and before we started recording i I was divulging that that i'm not doing very well with time scales on mine and you hinted i think that you might be doing a little better so (laughs) just just as a as a starter how long was it between completing on your property and getting your your builder in to, to start doing something on this property possibly two weeks Okay, actually, that, that makes me feel a bit better. I, I was expecting you to say it was the day after completion. <laughs> it could have been, but yeah, there was a slight delay. But it, it, was, it was either end of week one or week two, but it was ready to go in pretty much straight away. But this was a this was a quick purchase. So this was a um, this is a purchase on behalf of a, an investor client. So it's it's his development. However, I'm just really there as in a consultative capacity. However, the teams we're using are the team I've used in the last several years, and yeah, I'm just providing all of my contacts as well to help it. So that so that really helps in terms of getting the, the timelines ready. So, when did you first get your builder involved in, in this project? Well, this one's a, an interesting case because I've been speaking with the owner of this property for over two years now. So it's a it's a property that that my builder has been aware of, well for for that time, if not longer, because it was a property that was uh, on a agent's roster list for which he used to have to go out and do repairs and things like that. So he's always been aware of the property, and actually, when we were looking to take it on as a rent to rent property, he went out and his team basically you know, repainted it redid some kitchen bits in it and stuff like that so we were about to get it ready as a rent to rent and then the owner changed their minds and it was a property which essentially landed with uh, an investor client of mine and uh, that purchase went through really quickly so the the builder's been aware of it but the point that my client agreed to purchase it was around let's say a month ago at which point I said to to the builder, look, we, we're going to need you on this. Originally, he it was going to be for me, but you know, as far as he's concerned, it's the same work, doesn't it? It doesn't matter who the paymaster is. So he, he was probably aware of it for, let's say, six months. But in his mind, it just kept going back. So it could have been a situation where he thought maybe this is never going to happen. So I had to always sort of keep him posted about what was happening. And I think as we know, communication was key. So I just said to him, look, this is the stage of the process we're at. However, there is now a new buyer. That's going to happen really quickly. So expect this to be 
with you by the start of November and I'll keep you posted. And, then, and every week, actually, we spoke about where we were in the conveyancing cycle. And that's the good, the really good thing about having a, a, a good relationship with the building team, because obviously he needs to fill up his work pipeline. He can't have people just sat around doing nothing. So it's, so it's a tough thing to get right, but it worked well. And that was why we had a gap of two weeks, because he just started another project, but he was aware that this was coming. So it sounds like he, he sort of had around six weeks warning between the, the point when you said, yeah, we, we know this is going to happen, please get ready. And he was actually available to, to come in and, and make a start. Yeah. So that, that's, that's not too bad a lead time. It's it, for, for obviously the, the double aspect is one, obviously he needs to factor in his and his team's time alongside everything else they had to do. But number two, the big concern was materials. Can we get the materials? Because this is a big refurb. It's a it's a, a three story, five stroke, six bed Victorian property that needs a full refurb, and also putting in six en suites in the property. So there's a you know full plastering. So that that was a bigger concern as well as just having resource availability. You're not doing as much works in your property, but you still need to have the conversations with trades people yeah so i'm now something in the region of a month and a half maybe a bit more after purchase and if all goes well the builders will be be starting imminently at this point however they haven't actually started yet so yeah i i considering i didn't i didn't confirm with the builders that in fact, I haven't confirmed with the builders until quite recently. So perhaps I should should tell the story a little rather than picking bits out. I knew this property was going to need refurbishment work. And the, the builder that I am expecting to use, assuming they, they turn up, and is one that I have used in the past. And I asked to, to go in and actually have a, an early look at, at one particular aspect of this property in order to provide a quote which the mortgage lender had requested because they were were concerned about the amount of work involved. Hence, they have been aware of the property. However, I hadn't said to them when I was going to be completing or indeed gone through all of the detail of the the extended work that needed doing. And that was partly because I wasn't sure exactly what work was going to need to be done. And I didn't really feel I was going to be able to work that out until the previous owner had moved out. So as soon as that had happened, once I'd completed and got the keys, I went in and had a bit of a look around and thought through some of the things I was definitely going to need to do and some of the things I was possibly going to need to do. And I decided that the the first thing I wanted to do was get professional cleaners in to try and clean what could be cleaned and then then sort of reevaluate because some elements of it were just a bit dirty. But there were other elements that I was more concerned around. So, for example, a lot of the, the plastic in the property was yellowed from smoke. And I was a bit concerned that, that if that didn't clean up, there might be lots of plastic like windows that might need replacing, which are obviously potentially very expensive. But my hope was, was that wasn't, wouldn't be the case. So, so I got cleaners in first and they went in. It took them a couple of days to actually clean this clean this place completely. 
from from top to bottom. It's not it's not a very big house either, so it's a lot of cleaning that went into it. And the windows, thankfully, came up really nicely. So I think think the windows were all good. However, there are other things that didn't come up so so well. So for example, there are carpets throughout a lot of this property, and some of them seem to have come up okay. Some of them definitely haven't come up okay. And then there are others that initially seemed to clean fairly well, and a lot of the, the bad smell in this property had, had gone away. But then when I went back a couple of days later, a lot of the smells had returned. So they're obviously hiding somewhere. And in this case, or in this, this room, the, the smells are, are sort of pet smells, animal smells. And I think they're probably most likely to be hiding in the flooring. And hence, hence I think the, the flooring is going to need, need replacing there. But anyway, the story goes that I got the cleaners in. And just after that, I was able to schedule Builder to come around and have a, a proper look. And we spent probably an hour, maybe an hour and a half, going through the house, making a long list, or rather they made a long list, of all the, the work that needed to be done, all the things we were discussing, all the changes, all the improvements, all the decoration, replacements, etc. And then they, they went away. And it took them a couple of weeks to give us a quote, and then another week or so for, me, for them to, to give me a date when they might be able to start. Obviously, that... that means that it was a month or so before I'd even managed to get a, a possible sort of refurbishment scenario on the table. And, and whilst talking to this particular builder, I've been talking to other tradespeople as well to try and look at more specific pieces for individual tradespeople. So for example, plumbers, I had, had a plumber looking at the boiler and the heating elements of it to see if they might be able to do it sooner or cheaper or whatever. And I, I have just really struggled to get tradespeople to, to provide quotes and responses and availability dates and things. So I, I think it, it is still still a difficult thing to get get tradespeople who are available and, and able to do work. So so with you saying that it took you six weeks ish from starting starting the clock running on, on the builder to them being available and and i'm probably not going to be far off that considering i didn't start the clock until after i'd completed but then the point at which the, the builder that i'm hoping will, will start imminently it'll be six seven weeks something like that so so maybe i haven't done done too badly there Re- really i think what i should have done is started the clock running much earlier but I, i'm not sure Given the situation, I'm not sure how I could have prepared that very much earlier, except perhaps having more experience to to be able to go into the property with the previous owner still in there and and pets and animals and the, the yellowed windows and, and whatever, and, and to know myself with some experience that these things would clean up and the smells won't go because they'll be trapped in the carpet and, and things like that. So I, I don't know. If we go back to that early point, obviously I did did view the property and I did did make some estimates and things. So I went around. At that point, Stuart, do you go in and just sort of walk around yourself and come up with your own list of work and and sort of rough prices when you're doing this, or do you do you get a builder to go in with you for viewings and and things? Both. So when I'm on initial viewings, because we've done several of these projects, I tend to have a a rough idea of what it's going to cost what each element will cost us to do. 
for example, how much an ensuite will be. And, and again, like I say, it will be rough because material costs change, labor costs change. But in my head, you know, I've got a rough idea of, of what. So, if, you know, I know, okay, if we're going to put five ensuites in, it's going to be this. If we put six in, it's going to be that. Uh, rough cost of plastering, carpeting. And that's just through having done these several times. So I will walk around and, and that will be one of my first sort of metrics of a of a pre-offer scenario, which is, okay, so we've had a look at it. Does it meet the gross yield requirement? Do the costs and then the ROC make sense? And and actually, is there a a good equity play in the property? It doesn't always have to be, but is there one? Depending on the size of project. So then when we look at, um, so obviously I think what you're looking at, it's, it's, it's kind of borderline between building works and just high level maintenance because there's a lot of stuff that just needs sorting that clearly hasn't been sorted because if, when people live, live in it as a residence, these, sometimes we just leave these things, don't we? And they don't get touched. I think it's a little bit more than maintenance. I mean, I'm looking at replacing the ensuite and replacing the kitchen probably. Yeah. Well, of course. So that's, so that's refurbishment. But I was thinking more of, you know, the other bits and you talked about on the podcast before where there's built in wardrobes with cables behind them, the carpets, the yeah. flooring. You know, for me, that's just stuff that actually if someone was looking after it may well have got dealt with. But of course, yeah, you've got big, you've got refurbishment in there as well. But if I'm looking at other projects, so, you know, we've looked at, I've looked at quite a lot where, you know, the, the property is uninhabitable for example, in which case I don't want to put a finger in the air because if we're going to put an offer in, I need to have confidence. And so I've, I've brought the builder with me on a number of occasions. And he's sometimes I actually have to stop him from coming because he's like, oh, I'll come, you know, I'll come and have a look at this with you. I'm like, no, it's fine. You're really busy. I, I'll always bring you to the ones where I think I need a, a really solid. And we've looked at some big projects. So it's a bit of both. I think, yeah, if we were going to operate as, and, and it's, you know, slightly different, when you're buying a residential property, I think. However, you could still you know, have a conversation up front, which is, yeah, we're really interested in the property. You know, you've accepted an offer. As part of that, I'd just like a quick walk around with one of my build team. I would say 99% of the time, the vendor, even if it's a, a residential, they're going to say yes, because they don't want to rock the boat. So you, you'd probably have a, a time where you could walk around with a builder you know, and a, you know, just note down the things that you think need to be done at that time before everything's moved out. Because, of course, there's always going to be the quite literal skeletons in the cupboard. Yeah, I think I think this might be where you've got the advantage of being a, a regular customer of your builder. Whereas I last used this builder five years ago, maybe, and I had trouble scheduling a visit with them to come and quote when the house was empty. And trying to schedule them and the seller and me to to be there pre-completion, I, I think would have been even harder. But perhaps I should have just accepted that. And, and yes, it's hard, but then <laughs> that's part of the process. And we just have to, or perhaps I should have just made that happen in order to to improve my estimate. Because when when I walked around. I, I allowed for replacing the ensuite. That was a definite. And then I thought that I might need to replace the kitchen. I might be able to recover some elements of it and replace other elements of it. So in my estimating, 
I, I put in a sort of halfway figure for the kitchen. I, I did include an allowance for replacing the carpets and replacing or completely repainting and decorating. I hadn't allowed for replacing the boiler, for example, though, in my, my estimates as I, when I viewed the property initially. So, so it, it was a, a bit of some, uh, well, sorry, I did okay on some things, but I, I also missed and didn't do so okay on, on other things. I, I did also obviously had a healthy contingency to, to my initial sort of estimate and, and budget that I put together for this property. And, and it's just as well, because as it currently looks, I'm, I'm going to be spending estimate, including full contingency on, on getting this, this refurb done. But I, I think I'm still hopeful that it might just scrape in within that, that total including contingency budget. But of course, the work hasn't actually started yet. And really, a contingency should be there for, for things you discover during the work. <laughs> so, uh, so yes, it may all go further pear-shaped yet. I, I think when you're working with your builder to plan the works, how, how detailed do you get? So, so I mean, I've, my, my builder walked around, took lots of notes, and then produced a one-page quote with with a list of sort of i don't know a couple of bullet points per room which sort of implied lots of the things we talked about but didn't go into detail whereas i've gone away and put together a spreadsheet that's i can't remember the exact size but well over 100 rows going into lots of detail about all the things that that i want to be fixed and repaired and things in each room so how much detail do you go into with your builder well we go into a lot of detail, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, we, we're talking about some uh, standard tropes here, aren't we? Tra- tradespeople taking a lot of time to get back to you, if at all, even if you said we want to go on the works. And I'm just reminded of the bit, you know, you started the podcast by saying you've sort of got built in, which which uh, leads us to believe that, that, you know, you haven't actually executed on that or haven't got someone in yet. Yeah, no- nothing has actually started happening while while it's implied that it it will imminently yes until there are people in the building doing stuff i'm not entirely sure i believe it yeah but we so actually i get a a pretty good quote from the builder and it's just his way of working you know they use let's say they use word and it and it's really hard for me to break things down so like you i'm a bit sad and i put it all into an excel spreadsheet and then i actually break it down by room so i can actually filter the uh, property development by room so i can say oh, okay the kitchen's going to cost us five thousand that you know the hallways is going to cost us two thousand and the reason i did with that was was again for future planning because we knew we were going to do this again what i really wanted to do is get a good understanding of uh, and this is you know to 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 coin our phrases the podcast is this is operating as a business now because i wanted to say okay if we were going to plan for this again rather than having to call a builder every time let's work out the cost of each area. So I think the quote is fairly detailed. My sort of bugbear is that we always ask for a schedule of works. Sometimes we get it, sometimes we don't. And as I've explained to the builder, actually it's a two-way street because yes, we want to know what's going to happen when, and then it means that they are more committed to achieving those timelines. But actually we've got a good relationship. So if things get delayed, that's that's okay. We acknowledge that this is the world we live in. I said, but equally you know, for our builds, we might pay anywhere between 25 and 35% 
on day one because materials. And I said, then if you've got a schedule of works, you know, we can plan that out. So if you say this is going to be a 12-week project or a 16-week project, we will then work out the payment schedule for that aligned to when you're going to need further materials, when you need to pay for labour. And then obviously there's an end payment once the works are finished and we've had a walk around and we're all happy. So I think it's a bit of a mixed bag for me. I think the quote is fairly detailed. And again, but that's because we know what we're doing. So, for example, in every bedroom, we know we're going to rip out all the if they're inbuilt wardrobes. Again, in Victoria, we're talking Victorian. We rip those out. We put scaff, scaffold shelves and scaffold poles as, you know, hanging, hanging rails. You know, we plaster in every room. Certain rooms, we might do brick panels. And so that's all written in. But it's not in a it's not in an easy readable format. I have to go away and kind of total that because there might be a total. But of course, we we, we check and we double check and then put our contingency on top of that. Speaking about how you total them up and things, yeah, that was something that frustrated me a little bit with the, the, the quote I received. There, there were some things that were sort of room by room. So, for example, the, the, the kitchen listed out replacing unit fronts and laying flooring and a couple other bits. And then there's another section, which is painting. And it's just for the whole house and and that that covers painting skirting painting walls painting ceilings and it also includes stripping it back and priming it and stuff as well to try and again help help remove and seal in any remaining smells and stuff like that and there there are some rooms that are more work than others so for example some rooms have got holes in the walls that are also going to need filling and sorting out but it's all just a house-wide total on this quote. So yeah, it could do with with some some extra clarity for, or I would I would have preferred some extra clarity. Yeah, and I, I think we all do, and I know that different builders work in different ways. And I, but I think on that score, I think there is an argument to say that you, you, you know that it, that it's reasonable to at least have a breakdown. So we have a breakdown of paint and the cost of painting. And then the co- so we might have cost of painting, whatever in emulsion, cost of painting a feature wall because that's different because there's additional cost of paint. Then the sideboards, and and anything else you know if doors need painting, so that will all all be broken out. So for example, so I can look at the cost of painting the hallways, cost of painting the bedrooms, and the cost of painting the kitchen. To be fair, they're all fairly you know similar, but actually as a as a project, then you get to understand a bit better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of a, a sort of interesting contrast point on this particular quote. There, there was one, one of the doors needs a new handle, and that was listed as an individual item for a handle. And yet, I've got this big, big lump which is paint everything. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm sure it's fine. However, they want to do it, it's fine. And and I've got my full detailed list of of everything. Yeah, and the important thing is if you've got that from from a from our perspective, I, I think the only thing we want to know is that you know, but between us and the builders, we want to know that everything's covered because neither of us want any surprises. And I think you know, if, I, if I'm just sort of rounding off what we're talking about from my side, the, the reason we started a good relationship was because 
I was very open with the builder at the start because of previous experience and said, look, if anything comes up, we just need to know, you know, like once you pull a wall down, if there's part of the roof that needs repairing, I need to know that on that day so that we can plan that into the budget. Because, you know, we'd had previous experience where, you know, the quote, the the invoice had come in and the invoice was 20% higher than the original quote. And that was the first time I'd heard of it. And I think that is why developing relationships is good. Obviously, from your perspective, if, if you're doing these sorts of things once every sort of four or five years, that's a bit harder. But then equally, I, I think from, I, I, I don't know, I can't be generic about all tradespeople, but I think, you know, there's probably a fear of, you know, if, if we get too detailed in our quote, then, you know, that people are going to pull it apart. But then equally, you know, if I say to my builder, oh, can you just, you know, put up another shelf in this utility room, he, he can turn around to me and say, well, you know, we didn't quote that. And I'll say, yeah, that's fine. Just add it to the quote and it'll you know, be another 150 quid. But we know as we go. You know, um, yeah, we've had situations at the end of a, a job and it's probably, you know, as we're towards the end of the podcast where, you know, we finished a refurbishment and the toilet seats were not what we expected and i had that very open conversation i said look these these aren't the quality i wanted you know they're clearly very cheap and uh, it's it's now a running joke and i kind of said to him look okay we're going to leave it because i've now got, i've already i've got tenants in the property i don't want to go around and change all the toilet seats but they they weren't in keeping with the quality of the development that we'd done and you know that, that but that's an area where you know, we talk about it, and we laughed and we, we moved forward. But I think without clarity, you know, you could get a very different product to the one you think you're buying. And I think that's the whole point, isn't it? Yep, definitely. And I think it's that sort of attention to detail that's important because you, you obviously walked around and said, we need new toilet seats. And that's what you got. But they weren't what you wanted. And it, it's important to, to be aware that one toilet seat is not not the same as another toilet seat <laughs> and it is important to to specify the difference and that that is something that I am unsure about with the quote that I have from from my current builder that I have been very explicit in saying I want the finish for this property to be good i mean not not amazing not luxury but but good and he seems to have got this so i i'm I'm hopeful that I won't end up with any really cheap toilet seats, but we we shall see. I'll uh, I'll report back in in another month or two. <laughs> yeah, but that's where you know that's where it can be quite subjective. And you know, I'm the same. And the thing is, you know, if I walk around with my builder now and I say, right, we want en suites, we want a kitchen, we want this, we both know exactly what we're going to do. Because I'll say to him, and it's funny, we've got our own little language now. I'll say to him, I want this one done like, you know, 14 Acacia Avenue. And you go, okay, gotcha. And, and 14 Acacia Avenue was super premium. Or I'll say, I want it like number 30 Acacia Avenue, which was really good, but not premium. So actually, you know, we've now got our own language. Uh, and that's interesting because when you're working with someone for the first time, or if you're in the relationship and you say, I want this to be good, your version of good and their version of good could be two very different things because it's a highly subjective word isn't it it is it is and and yes uh, that does worry me slightly uh, i'm in the process of clarifying the the exact models for some things so for example we've got uh, a new new hob and oven and uh, well uh, other bits and pieces although some of the other bits i'm sourcing separately 
but there are some things that they they're providing that are going in as part of the refurbishment and and yes i'm in the process of of checking the exact models with those just to make sure that they are at what i mean as good <laughs> so yes it, it is important to check the details i think we we were also going to, to dig in today a little bit about why we choose to make the specific changes we we choose in the refurbishment so why i have chosen to place the kitchen for example but we are completely out of time so dear listener please let us know would you like to hear more about refurbishments would you like to hear more about why we made the decisions we we have made in choosing what we refurbish and how that refurbishment is put together you can reach out to us on biz of property that's b-i-z of property on twitter or there is a contact form on thebusinessofproperty.com, which is also where you can sign up to our email newsletter and find all past episodes and show notes. And with that, Stuart and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Bye.